Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Exodus uh, chapter 18 and we're just going to look at one scripture verse 21 Exodus chapter 18 just reading verse 21 and I'll give you the context in just a few moments but this is what Jethro says to Moses he says but select capable men from all the people men who fear God trustworthy men who hate uh, dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands hundreds uh, fifties and tens Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. Simple cases they can decide themselves that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. And I thank you that you're going to speak to us. I just thank you that your presence is here with us today. So be glorified, Lord God, amongst us. Be exalted, Lord God. Let the word, simple word, Lord God, let it, let it speak to our hearts and lives today, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to speak briefly on the subject, um, big church, small church. Um, here at Life, uh, we have uh, a vision, and our vision is pretty simple. As you walk in through the, through, the, uh, the, through the foyer there, you'll actually see the big banners that are on the wall, and they kind of describe our vision. Our vision is for people to love God, uh, grow together. Uh, and serve others. Uh, We believe that there are three important steps uh, that we all need to take in our spiritual journey. And the first of those steps is just simply knowing and loving God. Uh, We believe that everybody should come to know God as their Lord and Saviour. So many people know about God, but they don't know who He is. Some people think, have all these preconceived ideas about God, who God is and that He's some God which is distant, who's not interested in our lives. I want to tell you, that's not the truth at all. God is very much interested in your life. He created you for such a time as this in the name of Jesus. And He wants to build a relationship with you. And so the first step in our spiritual journey is that of knowing God, of loving God. The Bible says, out of all the commandments, out of all the many, many commandments, the most important commandment for all of us is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind with all of our soul and with all of our strength and to give our life to Jesus Christ. And that is where it all begins. It just begins by opening our hearts to God and allowing Him to be the Lord and Saviour of our life. And today we have a group um, that are sealing that decision through baptism. Baptism is essentially uh, saying to people, it's a public declaration of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's saying to everyone, saying, you know, as of today, you know, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Baptism doesn't save us, um, but it's a, it's a declaration. It's a, it's a public declaration. It's saying to everyone, it's saying, you know what, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ by the grace of God. Doesn't mean that we're perfect, but by His grace, we're going to become more and more like Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. Uh, it, it just simply means to be more and more like Jesus. I just want to be more and more like Jesus. I want to do the things that Jesus did. I want to speak the way that Jesus spoke. I want to, I want to think the way Jesus thought. Uh, because I believe our world will be different um, as we represent Christ on the earth. Second step is to grow together. I'm going to come back to that one. And the third step is simply to serve others um, you know, we believe very strongly that you're not an accident. None of us are accidents. 
that God has gifted us, that God has put certain gifts and passions and talents in our lives. And when, 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 we, when we start to operate, when we start to work in, within, the, within the way that God has called us and wired us up to, 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 to serve, then you know, we'll experience joy and, and, and meaning in life and so on. So it's really quite simple. Love God, grow together, and serve others. And today, I just want to speak about that second one, about growing together. You know, in the text that we read, uh, Israel is a young nation, and they've just come out of Egypt, and there were the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, and then they were given manna from heaven and water from the rock. If, you, if you've watched the Ten Commandments, uh, the movie, uh, you'll see all of that. And, um, but as yet, they didn't have uh, the Ten Commandments, the tabernacle. They didn't have any of the laws to govern worship, how they were to live. They were a people with a promise. And God promised that one day uh, that they would enter into the promised land, they, that God would take them out of Egypt and bring them into uh, the promised land. But as yet, they didn't have the values or the laws, uh, how they were to reach their potential. And before they received all of that, uh, we have this interesting story in Exodus chapter 18. It's a really interesting story, but yet a very powerful story. The Bible tells us that Moses was visited by his father-in-law, uh, Jethro, and uh, Moses tells him all the things that God had done, um, how God had delivered them out of Egypt, the 10 plagues, and how he had parted the Red Sea and, and delivered the people. Jethro was encouraged, and they worshipped God together. The Bible says the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When Jethro saw this, he was kind of perplexed, and he asked him why he was the only one serving as judge, and why the people had to wait so long to see him. Um, Moses said, they come to see me because they're inquiring of God. So if they have an argument, if they have some sort of a dispute, uh, they would kind of come to Moses where they would get some advice. He was like the Godfather, you know. Uh, he'd kind of sit in his chair and the people would come and they'd have all their disputes, they'd have all their questions. And then Moses would inquire of God on their behalf, tell them what they needed to do and off they go. And, you know, uh, what Jethro saw was there was this massive line of people waiting to see Moses. And Jethro says to Moses, and I love the way the Bible says it, it says, what you are doing is not good. And that's a really nice way of saying, Moses, you are crazy. Uh, you, 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 you certainly can't do this. This is not going to be good. He says to him, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Not only is this bad for you, Moses, this is also terrible for the people that are waiting in line and it's going to wear you out. It's going to wear them out. It isn't good what you're doing. So Jethro gives him some advice. He says to Moses, you need to teach the people the laws, teach them how to live, the things that they need to do. And then he says, but select capable people from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Notice what, notice what Jethro was saying. He says, listen, teach the people what they need to do. But listen, then, then appoint people, not, not just anyone. Appoint people who fear God, trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, people with character, in other words, and appoint them of the groups. Jethro said, let them serve as judges. If there are difficult cases, they can bring it to you. Verse 23, if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Now, there's a really important principle in this story. It's a very important principle. 
before God gave the Ten Commandments, before He gave the tabernacle, listen carefully. God was interested in the well-being of every individual. God, God, was, God was, not only was He interested in the people of Israel as a nation, He was very much interested in the individual. And, and, as, and as God sees a group of people, even a church this large, God is very much interested in the one. That's what, that's, what, that's what I love about Jesus. Jesus always had time for the one. You know, we and our generation, we're always interested in the crowds. The bigger the crowd, the better. But Jesus was not like that at all. Jesus was always interested in the one. He always had time for the one person. And here, here, is, here is the birthing of the nation of Israel. And, and, and there were millions of people, just for the record. But right from the outset, before he gives them a tabernacle, before, before the Ten Commandments, before, before all of that, he, he, he says, listen, I, I want to make sure that every single person is taken care of. I want to make sure that every single one is actually taken care of. So he divides the whole group, nation of Israel into small groups. Groups of 10. Go over to the New Testament and you see this principle show up again. When Jesus began his ministry, he did two things. He preached, he taught, he healed the sick. He ministered to those who were in need. But he also chose a group of 12. And he invested his life into them. 12 men that he invested his life into. Jesus ministered and he ran a small group. Now the two things that Jesus did. He preached, he taught, he ministered to the sick and he ran a small group. Because Jesus understood the power of a small group. Jesus understood the power of, of, of ministering to the large crowds. He did understand the large crowds. You, you read about it in Matthew chapter five. You know, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus speaking to the crowds. But Jesus understood also the power of a small group. How important it was for, for people to be ministered to individually. So that's what he did. Go over to the book of Acts. The Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This was, Jesus had, had, had returned back to heaven. He had, he had died on a cross, rose from the dead, and then returned back to heaven. And look at the early church. Look at the pattern of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. Those that are life group leaders, we've talked about this on a number of occasions. They, they considered it really important. What? The apostles teaching to prayer, breaking of bread. But they also considered, gave themselves to, made time for fellowship. Spending time with one another. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together in glad with glad and sincere hearts. They met together in larger groups in the temple courts. And they also met together in smaller groups in their homes. So listen, listen, listen. If, if this principle was important for the people of Israel, if this principle was important for Jesus, if this principle was important for the early church, I believe this principle is still important for us today. Thank God for the big meetings. Thank God for what we have on a Sunday morning where we worship together, pray together, where we hear the Word of God. There's something very powerful about this. You know, um, we can worship at home. We can, we can, we can worship at home to, you know, on our own and, and, and we can pray at home and we can hear the word on alone. But there's just something powerful about coming together like this. And, you know, you've heard me say many times, this building is dead, dull, dry. On, walk through here during the week and it's eerie. It's just awful. And then the people come in on a Sunday morning. The place comes alive. Because it's not the building that, that, that's the church. What, the church is us together, coming together. And the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst of them. And that's what makes the church difference. It's the presence of God. We've got nothing to offer. Are you serious? We, our music is not bad. How many people thought the music was good this morning? 
Yeah, it's only three or four people, but that's okay. Don't worry about that. That seems really encouraged anyway. Um, our music is great, and, and the light. How many people like the new lights? How many people like the, the lights are great? Yeah. Okay, no one likes the lights. Get rid of the lights. Okay, fine, that's fine. It's, it's, it's amazing. But, but none of that is what makes the church the church. What makes the church the church is the presence of God. And that comes when we gather together as, as, as the church. Problem with the big meetings, though, is we can come in late. Anybody come in late this morning? We can leave early. No one knows us. We can remain anonymous. We can be in a crowd and still could be completely alone. Come on, how true is that? Biggest problem in our society today is loneliness. We've got everything. We've got everything that we need, but we are alone. And, and God never intended for us to be alone. God, God, God never intended for us as individuals to be alone. Christianity was certainly never meant to be lived alone. And God created Adam and Eve. When he, well, he created Adam and he said, he, cre- he said everything was great. He creates Adam, not good. And the reason why, just in case ladies are saying, yeah, I know why it was not good. The, the reason why he said it wasn't good that he created Adam is because he was alone. And he said, I will create a helper for him. And he created Eve. Because we men need a lot of help. But can I hear an amen? <laughs> Some men more than others. That's right. It's not funny. Uh, <clears throat> so while I believe, it, it, was, it was always meant to be expressed within the context of community. Christianity was always meant to be expressed within the context of community. Go through the New Testament and you see the term one another appear again and again. We had to pray for one another, encourage one another, learn from one another, protect one another. And I believe there's something very powerful about gathering on a Sunday in the big meetings. There's something powerful about that. This week we had the Graham uh, tour, uh, Franklin Graham shared, and there was an auditorium, 10,000 people. It was powerful, just just powerful. The church gathering together and worshipping together. It's just something powerful about that. And just, just, just as there's something powerful about the big gatherings, big church, there's also something very powerful about meeting in smaller groups, in groups of five, 10, and 12. That's why here at Life, we put a lot of emphasis on life groups. And I believe it's in the context of small groups where God does some of his greatest work. Here at Life, we have over 1,000 people that call this church their home. Um, every weekend, we have 600 people that actually come. Uh, so there's a whole bunch that call this place their home and, and, and don't come every week. Every week we get about 600 people. Uh, uh, and as a leadership, there's no way that we can adequately take care of 600 people. There's just no way. Um, if we tried, we'd just burn out. That's why as a church gets bigger, it needs to get smaller at the same time. That's why as much as, as, much as we want the church to get bigger, as it gets bigger, it needs to get smaller at the same time. Because there are things that we get in a small group that we will never get in a big meeting. Because I, be- I believe God does some of his greatest work in our lives in the context of relationships. And if there's a cry in each and every one of our hearts, it's, it's to do life with other people, not just our own. Quickly, let me give you five reasons why life groups are so important. If you've got your notes, you can actually write these into your notes. Uh, life groups are important because they're a place where we pray for one another. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's no way that I could pray for a thousand people. There's just no way. 
If I tried, uh, it would be difficult. Take a while. Just going to pray for so and so. Yeah, just pray for them. Just pray. And then some of you need a little bit extra. Some of us need a bit of extra prayer. You know, it's going to take a little longer. You know what I mean? Um, but listen, I can pray for five people. I can pray for ten people. And the life group gives us an opportunity to pray for each other. I don't know about you, but it's nice to know that someone's praying for me. It's just nice to know. You know, often, you know, here in the congregation, people say, hey, Pastor Joe, I'm praying for you. You know how good that feels? It just feels amazing. Paul, many times, the apostle said to the churches, hey, li listen, would you pray for me so that I can preach more effectively? If the apostle Paul needed prayer, needed the church to pray for him so that he could, he could, he could be more effective in his ministry, how much more do we need prayer? And, and, and the life group is, 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 is such an, an important opportunity because it gives us an opportunity to pray for one another. One of the things we encourage every life group leader, we talked about it just this week, is just, just get everyone to pray for each other every single day. It can take two minutes. I just pray for them. I just pray that God is going to bless them. I pray that God is going to protect them in the name. I pray that God, you're going to do some amazing things through their lives. I pray, Father God, that you're going to enlarge their territory. Let your hand be upon them. That's a good prayer. It's going to take you two minutes. Number two, life groups are a place where we support one another. Paul says to the Galatians, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. One of the things we're all going to go through is some tough times and how good it is to know that we have a group of people that can help us through that. Jesus was about to die on the cross and he goes to Gethsemane to pray, but he doesn't go alone. He brings Peter, James, and John. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. He's, a, he's about to go to the cross. He, he goes to Gethsemane to pray, but he doesn't go alone. He brings Peter, James, and John. He says, guys, would you come and help me in this, in this difficult time that I'm going through? Question, who do we have that we can call in our time of need? Now, I know some people say, I don't want anyone to know my business. You know, I know, I know what happens in those life groups. They're just, a, they're just an opportunity for gossip. I pray that's never the truth. Confidentiality is very important. We value that in this church. Um, first of all, if you attend a life group, you only need to share what you're comfortable with. That's a rule. <laughs> you know, you, you never have to share more than what you want to. But we need to be careful not to allow pride to rob us of the blessing of God. Look at, look at what Ecclesiastes says. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. From time to time, all of us are going to trip. From, from time to time, all of us are going to fall. And, and if we've got someone alongside of us, they're actually going to help us up. Who do you have in your life that can help you in a difficult time? Life groups are important because they are place where we support one another. They're a place where we can carry one another's burdens. If I'm trying to carry 50 kilos, I can carry 50, I can carry 80. Um, I'm not bragging or anything, but I, you know, I've been going to the gym, so that's all right. I could carry, but, but isn't it easier when someone else helps us carry one of those loads? Carry each other's burdens, the Bible says. Because when that happens, we, they, they actually get lighter. And life groups are an opportunity for us to to help each other in our time of need. Because one day, one day, we're all going to be in that time of need. 
There's going to be seasons in our life where we help someone else. There's going to be seasons in our life where we're going to need to take some, you know, some, we're going to do a withdrawal, you know. <laughs> we're going to say it's my turn now. I love the ants. The Bible says the ants, they collect in the summer because they know winter's coming along. They, they prepare in the, in the summer because they know that winter is coming one day. All of us have a winter season that's going to come and we'd be wise to prepare in the summer. You prepare when things are going well. You make sure that you put certain patterns in place when things are going well because you know that somewhere down the track there may be a winter season. Get some wisdom from the ants. There you go. Join a life group. Life groups are important because number three, they're a place where we can protect one another. One of the great dangers for all of us is we can drift away from God. We can fall into deception. Deception is where we call black, white and white, black. The reality is we can all lose our way. And how do we protect ourselves from that? One of the best ways is by being part of the church, by being planted in the house of God. How are we planted in the house of God? One of the ways that we can get planted is by being part of a life group. Paul says to the Ephesians, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. We need to, people to speak truth into our lives. It's beautiful. Because Paul is saying we speak the truth in love. And, and, and as we hear that, we grow. Life groups are an opportunity for us to hear the truth in love. So that we can grow, we can be protected. There's a sense of protection that comes from being a part of our life group. If you are oh, a pastor, don't worry, I'm, I'm cool, I'll never drift away. Wait, that's the first deception that you're in. <laughs> that's why you need a life group. I've had people in my life that have always spoken into my life. People that have spoken, not always in love, <laughs> I need to say that, uh, but they've spoken the truth. <laughs> and I thank God for them every single day. Because they had the courage to tell me things that maybe I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear. Look through the Bible, you see powerful relationships. Paul had Barnabas. Timothy had Paul. Esther had Mordecai. And on and on it goes. People that were willing to speak the truth in love. You know, there's, there's always two extremes with people. There are those that love the truth. <laughs> just got to tell them the truth. Um, and they just, you know, shoot. From the hip. Then there's the love people. Oh, you just got to love them. You just got to love them. Just love everybody. Just love, love, love. Um, you've heard me say many times, best form of parenting, and this is secular literature, says it's got to be loving but firm. That's straight out of the Bible, just by the way. That's, it's truth and love. Those two things must always go together. I really love you, but the direction that you're taking is wrong. You need to be careful. Speak the truth in love. Life groups are an opportunity for us to develop loving relationships. And when the time comes, hey, you know, we can also speak the truth within that context. Number four, uh, life groups are a place where we learn from one another. As Christians, we have one mission, and that is to be like Jesus Christ. That's our mission. That, that's, that's our desire. None of us are like Christ yet. We've got a lot of work to be done. Some of us more work than others. And we are, by His grace, becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. That's by His grace. And life groups are a place where we can grow. And we can learn from each other. Um, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can learn from one another. And where we can learn what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Paul says to the Corinthians, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. 
Listen very carefully. There's a, there's a difference between an instructor and a father. Paul says you have many instructors, but you lack fathers. You know, through podcasts, we're living in an incredible time today where, you know, back in my days, if I wanted to hear a sermon from the US, you know, I had to order a tape, took me a tape. Everybody remember the tapes? Tape, everybody remember the tapes? Yeah, only the people that are over 50 going, yep, yep, yep. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, the ta- three months it would take. Podcast, bang. Preaching Monday, I, I get it, I get it today. Tomorrow, this sermon's already going to be on the internet for anyone to listen to. It's powerful. And through podcasts today, we have some of the best teaching around the world. I think it's amazing and I think it's fantastic. Thousands of instructors. But never confuse an instructor with a father. Because those two things are very different. Never confuse hearing a podcast with being part of the local church. Podcast pastor, he's never going to challenge you. (laughs) He's never going to protect you, call you if you haven't been in church. What what we're lacking today in the church, I believe, more than it is not teaching. Because there's plenty out there. What we're lacking is spiritual fathers and mothers that will guide us and lead us. That, that, that will come and talk. I mean, which, which parent sees their children playing with matches, their three-year-old, four-year-old playing with matches and walks away? That's not a very good father. <laughs> if you're a great parent and you love your children, you teach them to do what's right, protect them, correct them, guide them, love them. And that's what small groups are all about. It's a place where we grow. It's a place where we learn from one another in the name of Jesus. It's where we encourage each other to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And number five, life groups are a place where we love one another. I love this one. The phrase love one another is repeated over 11 times in the New Testament. It comes up again and again and again. Jesus said, and you command, I give you love one another. As I've loved Jews, so you must love one another. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. One of the greatest qualities that ought to distinguish the follower of Jesus Christ is love. One of the places where we can experience that is through life groups. It's where we serve one another. You know, you know one of the greatest, greatest things that we miss in this world that we're living in today, where we have every single thing. Do you know the one thing that we crave more than anything else? Do you know what it is? It's love. It's love. The world gives us a lot of imposters and a lot of, a lot of things that look like love, but are not love at all. The one thing we crave is just being loved, genuine love. And the Bible says that one of the things that ought to distinguish the the people of God is love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Life groups are a place where we can help one another. It's where we can come alongside one another, encourage one another, challenge one another. Someone is in trouble, we come alongside and help them. It's beautiful, we love one another. We, we come alongside, it's, it's, it's not just about, about helping people, but it's also encouraging people. Hey, you know, I, I see some gifts inside of you. Why don't you keep on doing that? We love one another. You're amazing. You're gonna do well. Come on, keep on going. You're going through a hard time. Come on, God is gonna see you through. Love one another. Life groups are an opportunity for us to express and receive the love of God. People of Israel have come out of Egypt. Before God gave them the Ten Commandments, the tabernacle, and before, before he did all these big things, you know, 
He made sure that they were taken care of as individuals. He, he made sure that every single person was taken care of within the context of the body of Christ. And here at Life, we want to make sure that everyone is cared for here in this church as well. So we want to encourage everyone to be part of a life group. Our life groups here meet once a month, and it's not a massive burden. It's, you know, we try to keep it as easy as we can, and we have all kinds of groups that meet at different times, and uh, there's those that really want Bible study. Hey, we've got a Bible study group. There are those that, you know, uh, prefer prayer. There's a prayer group. There's just men-only group. There's women. There's youth. There's, there's cooking group. And, and, you know, if you've got something new, we'll see if we can create one of those groups for you. What's really important is that we gather together one another because we need to do church together because that's the way God created us to do church. I'm sure that there's a group that suits you and you can register today in the foyer. Lana, my lovely wife, Lana, shall be in the foyer and with a couple of other people and they'll, they'll be, give, be able to give you more information about that. What's our vision here at Life Christian Center? What's, what's our vision? Our vision here at Life is really, really simple. We want people to know and love God. We believe that the first thing we, we, we believe is that God can make the greatest difference in your life. It's the most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We believe that when a person opens their heart to Jesus Christ, their whole life is changed. It's just powerful. Love and know God. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering, I don't even know if there is a God. You know, which religion is the right religion? And you've got a whole bunch of questions. Can I encourage you to do the Believe course? Pastor Joe loves answering hard questions. All right, just go to him. Do that course. That's in March. You've got all the, all the things that you want to know, all the questions that you have, throw them there. But, but if, if, if you have questions, it's good. It's a good thing. God, God, God loves those questions. The best thing you can do with those questions is just bring them to God. And prayer is just simply talking to God. And you know, one of the greatest prayers that you can pray if you're not sure if there is a God is just say, God, look, if you're real, Lord God, I want to know. I don't want to get to the other side of eternity and realize that all of this was real. Lord God, I, I want to know now. If you're real, Lord God, I want to know. And if you sincerely seek after God, I can assure you that God will reveal Himself to you because He loves you. He loves you. He created you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Love God. After coming to know God as our Lord and Savior, and, and uh, the next step is to grow together. We, we want to we grow in our relationship with God. And how do we do that? We have a whole Wednesday night program here. But, but most of all, we encourage people to join a life group, be part of a small group, because that small group is going to help you to be everything that God has called you to be. And number three, serve others. Third step in our journey with Christ is find a place to serve. God has gifted you. There are things that you can do that no one else can do. There, there, there are gifts that God has given you, passions and, and a personality. Some of you got a difficult personality, but God has given you a personality. Beautiful personality. He's given you spiritual gifts, given you gifts that you can use to serve in the kingdom of God. And, 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 and it's amazing, but when you, when you begin to use those gifts, you feel alive. You feel like this is what I was created for. I was created to do this. It's an incredible feeling. Serve others. And um, just pray that we would take that spiritual journey. Love God, grow together, and serve others. Today we have a group of 15 people that have made this decision to serve God, to love God. Why don't we all come? Musicians, come. And 
brethren that are going to help us uh, with this whole baptism tank. Let's just get that happening. And we have a whole group of people that have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and to seal that decision with baptism. To say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus Christ all the days of my life. So we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. We're going to pray for the group that are going to get baptized. Why don't we all stand together as a church? And let's pray for this awesome group of people that are getting baptized even right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this great Sunday, Lord God, great celebration service. And I just thank you for this powerful group of people that have made this decision to serve Jesus and to follow Jesus. Let your hand be upon them, guide them and lead them by the Spirit of God. Father, let this be the beginning of something new and fresh in their lives, Lord God. They're not, they're not an accident. They're here by divine appointment, Lord God. And let this be the beginning of a spiritual journey, a walk with you, Lord God, that is going to see them be everything that you've called them to be, Lord God. Protect them from harm. Protect them from every attack of the enemy, I pray in the name of Jesus. Protect their minds and protect their heart, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that they will, they will serve your purposes in their generation. Glorify your name in and through their lives. And this is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much. Amen.